You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. All right, awesome. Would you make our guest speaker feel welcome as Pastor Tim comes? Thank you so much for being here. Hey, good morning. It's great to be in God's house today, huh? And how many are thankful to have babies in church today? I mean, and cute ones too. Good night. Um, I, anybody remember when you were that good looking? But how many know time beats beats all the good looking off, you know? And it just, you have to resort to kiwi shoe polish and wrinkle cream and, you know, potato sack outfits and stuff like that. Well, it's so good to be in God's presence with you, and I'm so excited for what God has in store for us today. And God really met us wonderfully last night, and I'm looking forward to particularly to tonight. And maybe you go, hey, you know what, more than one church on Sunday? You know, what in the world? Come on. Um, well, tonight we're going to be, and we'll explain a little bit more in a moment, but, but tonight we're going to give an opportunity for you to have a personal spiritual encounter with God that will literally revolutionize your life. Now, how many of you that have already experienced being baptized in the Holy Spirit would raise a hand saying that aside from salvation, it was the most significant spiritual thing that's happened in my life, okay? So you can look all around you. Every row almost has somebody going, yeah, that made a huge difference in my life. Tonight, we're talking about um, how you, whether you've been saved for a day or whether you've known Jesus since Noah's Ark or whatever, um, that, that you can be immersed and drenched in the person and power of the Holy Spirit, giving you more spiritual power in your life, not power to like Harry Potter people, but power to live for Christ, power to do the things that God wants you to do. Because don't you don't we all kind of feel kind of inadequate on a lot of levels? And this power is like the Holy Spirit standing up inside of you to a taller posture of bravery and courage, and it makes a dramatic difference. And so you go, hmm, it's either that or else I think there's a, you know, they're rerunning Stranger Things on Netflix tonight. Oh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I just challenge you to drag your carcass and the carci of those you love back to church tonight, <laughs> um, you know. And, and give God a, a chance to just kind of kind of dunk you and soak you in his Holy Spirit. Maybe you go, I don't know about that. I, you know, I had a crazy aunt that got abducted by aliens, and she was baptized in the Holy Spirit, whatever. Come and sit in the back. The splash zone is only like the first seven rows, okay? Um, I mean, it's fine, to, it's fine to be a Zacchaeus and kind of climb the tree and check things out. I mean, for real. It's all a part of the process of God working in our lives. So I, I do, I challenge you, make that a priority. We won't keep you too long, uh, but God wants to really minister, and it would be an opportunity for each one of us uh, to encounter God. And if you've already received this great baptism in the Holy Spirit, guess what? Jesus loves to send updates on our lives. Like you update the app on your phone, he wants to update the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's always more because he's so generous. I'm so thankful for that. Um, I want to ask my wife, Rochelle, honey, would you stand, give a wave and a cartwheel real quick? Um, 
Rochelle and I, and would you guys mind, um, Lee, putting the picture of our whole crew up here? Uh, Rochelle and I have traveled teaching on the Holy Spirit since 1993, and this is our crew. Uh, we have three sons, and so um, on the far right is our oldest son, Braden, and his wife, Olivia, and they pastor outside of Cleveland. And then on the other side is our middle son, Dolan, and his fiance Belle. They get married on May 14. And uh, they're both on staff at the same church. He's the youth pastor. She's the worship pastor uh, at a church in Texas. And then in the middle is our youngest son, Barrett. And he just this week completes his uh, freshman year of college um, at uh, Southwestern Assemblies of God University, which is kind of like a sister school to University of Valley Forge, if you're familiar with that. So anyway, that's our crew. We have been empty nest, and it's kind of wonderful and kind of weird, too, because any empty nesters out there? You like pour your whole life into your kids and then they just disappear, you know? And, uh, but it's really strange raising boys. Like the big surprise is when you wake up in the morning, your house is just as clean as when you went to bed. It's really, uh, I mean, it's just kind of astounding. But every week out of the year, um, we travel and minister in a different church, a uh, different community. We've done that for since all these years. And over the years, it's just kind of amazing when I reflect back. Um, God has sent us to every state um, and like 64 nations now. Uh, we've been ever, we've even been to North Dakota, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so if you've ever seen the Planet of the Apes, that's the final scene with the Statue of Liberty on the beach. Um, <laughs> But, um, but we really appreciate your prayers. In fact, um, you can take us home with you if you grab one of our prayer cards. Right in front of the media booth is our table. And if you'd remember us in prayer, in any normal non-pandemic year, uh, we do about 300 services, and about 20 25% of it is overseas. And I hope you'll pray for us as uh, hopefully at the end of this year we'll be able to go back again. We do a lot of ministry way in the remotest parts of Africa and Asia and South America and stuff and try to work with indigenous people groups that have never heard the name Jesus before. And I hope you'll keep us in prayer. Um, we really do appreciate that. And then also, if you're interested, there's books and other stuff back there. Uh, people always ask, what's the newest book? This one's the newest book. Uh, Goodbye, Chicken, Hello, Dove. And it's all about how the Holy Spirit can transform your life. Um, it's in three segments. The first segment is all about the identity of the Holy Spirit. Because it might surprise you to know, but a lot of Christians don't really know who the Holy Spirit is. They sing about him, they talk about him, but they don't really know who he is. And how can you trust him if you don't know who he is? And then the middle third is all about from the Old Testament to the New, about how people interacted with him and received power and help from him. And what that does is it gives us a safe uh, walkway to walk on with good handrails to know when we're desiring more of the Holy Spirit's work in our life, we're walking on a biblical pathway. And then the final third is all the practical stuff. Okay, so I've received the baptism in the Spirit. I've received His power. Now, how do I hear His voice? How do I know if that prompting is from God or from me? What would He empower me to do? Because I don't want to step out if God's not going to be there for me. A lot of really helpful stuff. And you'll even learn how I was mistaken for a bad Elvis impersonator one time in Memphis, Tennessee. Just kind of interesting. All right, so take advantage of that. There's other stuff back there um, if you'd like to look at it. Well, let's talk for a few moments about the Holy Spirit. Um, if you were here last night, our text was from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and if you missed it, you can easily go online, I suppose, right, and find it there, and you can listen to it while you're, you know, smoking your back bacon or whatever you're doing, and um, 
But I want to invite you, if you would, to stand with me to your feet. We're going to read a portion of scripture from chapter 13, which was probably read at your wedding, even though it has nothing to do with romantic love, but hey, it still fits. Um, And then we're going to read a little bit from chapter 14. So the bigger chunk is chapter 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians. The whole theme of those three chapters are the supernatural giftings of the Holy Spirit for us. And chapter 12, well, like we talked about last night, is kind of entry level for people who are new or who have questions about them. Paul wants to kind of demystify them and help them to understand there's order and and how God works. And then chapter 13, he says, and now I'm going to show you the most excellent way to be used in these gifts. And Paul basically shows us, as we'll see in a moment, this two-sided, two-handed thing. Okay, so great. You have all kinds of gifts, and you can speak in tongues until your lips fall off. Who cares if you're a jerk, right? I mean, I'm paraphrasing. And so, um, so he kind of like shows it back and forth. And then chapter 14, so chapter 12 is for the brand new people. Chapter 13 is about the way we're supposed to be used in these things. And then chapter 14, he addresses people that have been around for a while. How many have been around Jesus for a while? You can tell because when you raise your hand, you stretch the cobweb from your hip to your elbow, right? Okay. Um, and, and Paul challenges the church in chapter 14. Okay, so great. You know how to open up and be used in the things of the Spirit. Now get better at it. Purge yourself as much as possible out of this so you're not coloring and adding your own spices to God's soup mix on this so it becomes a purer manifestation. But we're going to focus in a little bit on chapter 13, the first two verses of chapter 13 and the first verse of chapter 14. In chapter 13, 1 and 2, Paul kind of poses the two-sided thing and the two dimensions of what the Spirit is doing. And then chapter 14, 1, he gives the crux, the answer to the issue. Are you ready to read out loud, big and bold with me? If your neighbor mutters, feel free to give him a, all right? Because this by far will be the best things any of our lips speak all week long. Let's read together. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Next, please. Um, If I had the gift of prophecy... And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you affect us in every way that we permit you to affect us. And we welcome you, Lord, affect and change us in ways that we have never opened you before. We're tired of being like ourselves with all of our issues and always trying to hide the weak spots and hide the problems. Lord, we want to be like you. We welcome the ministry of your Holy Spirit to, as John 16, 15 says, Take what is yours, Lord Jesus, and reveal it to us, we pray. And Lord, as always, following your pattern of ministry, always combining teaching and healing, 
I welcome the healing grace of Jesus to fall upon this room. In fact, I pray upon anyone who would just lift a hand to heaven that we would welcome your healing virtue to flow into our bodies right now. We thank you, God, for ministering to families. Lord, every miracle, whether it be something small that would resolve itself, it's just allergies or whatever, or God forbid if there's maybe someone that's struggling with a critical or even terminal diagnosis, Lord, even more urgently show yourself to be the healer and restorer. I pray finally, Lord, for those that have come and just said, you know, hey, I'm here because someone invited me or I'm just kind of looking. And I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself to every person in this room uh, in supernatural and significant ways like that specially cut key. I pray that you would unlock every heart's door today. Speak into the inner being in the deepest place where no one could ever stir or manipulate, but stir and speak to us, I pray, by your spirit. Amen. 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 You can be seated if you like. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you're excused. So, um, yeah. <laughs> when, uh, when we think about the Holy Spirit's ministry, a lot of times people kind of think most about the power side, and that is true. But it's interesting because in our portion of Scripture today, Paul goes, okay, so great, you got the power, but you still need to be like Jesus. In fact, can we go back to that first scripture slide, please, Lee? So check this out. Paul poses this two-sided thing. He goes, look, and remember, in chapter 12, if you were here last night, we unpacked all of these nine supernatural manifestation gifts of the Spirit. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, so this pause there, he's obviously talking about Spirit-empowered speech in context, if you read it. And in fact, I challenge every one of you at some point in the next year, just sit down in one sitting and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 all in one chunk. It will take about 30, 40 minutes, and it will answer most of the questions you've ever had about the moving of the Holy Spirit in these ways, rather than just kind of reading a verse here and a verse there, reading the whole flow of thought. And so Paul is coming out saying, you know, hey, look, there's, there's these ways the Holy Spirit moves are supernatural. God wants to move through all of us. This is what you can expect, you know, the normal ways he moves in supernatural power. But now he goes, look, if I could do what appears to be one of the most exotic of them, speak in a supernatural language or sometimes called speaking in tongues or praying in tongues. I could do it in the language of earth or of angels. But on one hand, I could do that, but I didn't love other people. It would cancel out. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, useless noise. Now, the New Testament was written in the Koine Greek, which is kind of like the everyday marketplace language. It's not the highfalutin Elizabethan, you know, kind of a thing. It's the everyday just marketplace language. And the clearest way today that you can translate that noisy gong, useless noise thing from Koine Greek into English would be probably country music. So that's what, what he's trying to get us to see, and uh, or whatever music you don't care for, you know. And so kind of like fingernails on the chalkboard, right? Like all of us, by our different preference and taste, have that one type of music we go, right? You know, I, and probably all of us would be like Nickelback, too. It would be the same thing. But um, that's actually the word in the Greek, right? But what he's saying is, look, so, so you have great power. You can leap tall buildings in a single bound. If you're an idiot to other people, who cares? So he takes one of the nine gifts and goes, now look at the next verse. Now he summarizes 
all of the nine gifts. If you were here last night, um, this is the verse where we get the idea of the three categories from. Of the th So each of the nine gifts, three of them fit into three functional categories each, three groupings of three. Here's how he does this. So if I had the gift of prophecy, spirit-empowered communication, and so that's like the first verse we read, so I can say the things God wants me to say, communication gifts. If I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, revelation gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. And third, if I had such faith, I could move mountains, demonstration gifts, gifts of healing, workings of miracles, gift of faith. So I've had all nine of them, but I didn't love others. Who cares? So a lot of people go, well, you know, my gift excuses my faults. I mean, I don't think anyone's so arrogant to actually articulate that, but that feeling can get in there. Hmm, out of all the people in church, I'm the only one God ever uses to levitate or whatever, you know? And, um, and we kind of, you know, well, you know, obviously God's not concerned about my problems very much because he's still using me for his glory. And how many know those are like dangerous conversations to have inside of your cranium? Paul says, you got all nine gifts flowing, but you're really not loving other people. Who cares? It doesn't mean anything. And probably all of us have been disappointed by a spiritual leader at one time or another in our lives, whether one you knew or one you knew about. You know, even most recently, it was like a major apologetics ministry that was widely regarded. And here, you know, the dude's doing all kinds of things that, you know, you don't even want to talk about, you know, behind the scenes. And you scratch your head and go, how can God, you know, this is what this verse is talking about. You know, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't shake our faith in God. It kind of shakes our faith in people sometimes. But um, it's, it's one of the things, like, if you had a choice, a lot of people go, well, you know, there's the character transformation of the Holy Spirit, and there's the power of the Holy Spirit. Which one should I go after? Look at the next verse, please. Paul says, let love be your highest goal. Love is summarizing the character transformation of the Holy Spirit. So this is not, there's like, oh, at least five, actually there's six words for love in the Koine Greek. This one is, we would say, um, agape or whatever, it's agape, right? So it's the selfless love, like the you first, please. Hey, there's only one more you know, Big Mac left in the world, and there's no more food, you eat it. You know, although that may not be selfless, that may be selfish, right? Um, you clog your arteries, you know, whatever, or whatever. The, there's only one more donut in the box, you know, and you go, here you go. And so Paul says, it, the way this is postured in the Greek is go after this with all of your might, but you should also desire, but the word desire there is a little more than desire. It's the Greek word, bind yourself to, devote yourself to, like kind of the way we translate it in English in our modern society with our context, Western world. Like you ever watch a spy flick or something like maybe from the 70s or 80s where they've got the secret plans in the briefcase and the handcuff around the dude's wrist and around the handle of the briefcase? which is always a little suspicious, because how I many know it's like two little rivets that hold that handle on? It's like, anyway, all right. But it's the idea of it's so important, you know, don't let go of it. And so he goes, go after love the most, but don't neglect. Just right underneath that, pursue the giftings and power of the Holy Spirit so you have greater effectiveness in your life. He doesn't give us the option to pick one or the other. 
And there are a lot of Christian churches that go, well, those crazy Pentecostal or charismatic churches, man, all they do is go after the power and, you know, whatever, more powerful than a locomotive and whatever else the Bible says, and that's fine. But, man, they just have all these problems. And then a lot of the Pentecostal and charismatic churches look at their evangelical brother and sister churches, and they go, they don't have any power at all, and all they have is love, you know. But Paul doesn't give us the option to pick one or the other. And that's just not for church groups. That's for each one of us individually. We have to go after the personal transformation because, I, I mean, if we're to be honest, can we be honest for a moment? After, just for this moment, then we'll go back to lying in just a second. <laughs> but can we just be honest just for, uh, just for a second real quick? Um, you know, when we look at our own lives, I mean, don't we always try to minimize, well, you know, I've got problems, but I'm no Ted Bundy or... Adolf Hitler or Idi Amin or whatever, you know, or Dak Prescott. I'm not, not like that. And we pick the worst murderous sociopath we can find, right? Don't we always try to compare ourselves against somebody that we perceive to be worse than us? But that's the problem with sin is that God doesn't compare us against other people. He compares us against his righteous standard, which all of us are inadequate of, of meeting, and the issue with sin, which we've all sinned, just look around, right? Um, we've all sinned, and the problem with sin is that sin is not a natural problem. It's a spiritual problem. And spiritual problems can never be resolved by natural solutions. That's why people try, like when they start feeling, oh, man, I've just ruined my life. I'm 89 years old, one foot in the you know, grave, the other on a banana peel, and all my family's shoving me, and uh, i got to make things right. And so they go, well, I need to write some checks, and I need to, you know, say some apologies, and I need to, you know, give it to the United Way or whatever it is. I need to do all these things. And we try to do natural patches to spiritual problems. But you can't fix it that way. It's like trying to fix, you know, you need brain surgery, and you try to do that by, you know, expanding a garden. It just, there's no connection to them. One is a problem that requires a highly specialized person to help you, and the other is something that, you know, you're just busying yourself. And so it's, it's one of those things that we have to understand where Paul is coming from. He's like, hey, just because you're saved now doesn't mean you need to stop growing personally, in character, and in the ministry of the Spirit. And this brings us to kind of what our crux is today. I want to give you a filing cabinet in which to put all of the information you've ever heard of the Holy Spirit into a very neat and orderly file cabinet. Um, there aren't very many things that work this like easily theologically, but if, if you've ever heard about the Holy Spirit before, you've heard a message, you've read a book, you've heard a sermon, you've heard a class, whatever, um, you've heard people talk about it. This framework, these two filing cabinet folders will fit those information pieces in there, and we get it from this text. Let me show you. Look at the next one, if you would. There are two basic dimensions of the Holy Spirit's work. There's the inward and there's the outward. Now, when we say inward and outward, I've not chosen those terms simply because they kind of, you know, poetically go together or whatever. Actually, those are the sorts of prepositions the Bible uses to describe them. Some of the works of the Holy Spirit happen inside of us, like when you drink a glass of water, the water goes in, all right? And some of them happen outwardly upon us, like when you walk outside in the rain and you get wet on the outside. And so there, there's this difference in the Holy Spirit's ministry. If you look at the next, 
Um, check out the, the inward ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you look at the bottom, is all about purity. But it's not about purity like hand sanitizer and, you know, washing your hands, which I hope you all do. But um, watch that. Now they're going to tell us like hand sanitizer causes, you know, scurvy or something. I don't know. It's not just being a pirate, but it's hand sanitizer. That's what causes that. Um, but uh, it's not like purity of what we can see or what we know about. Again, sin is a spiritual problem that can't be cleansed with Clorox. So it can't be cleansed by human behavior. It can't be changed by mere willpower. It's a spiritual problem that requires a spiritual solution. And that's why Jesus came. He, he died on the cross and rose again from the dead 2,000 years before any of us discovered America, right? And, and he's already paid the price. He's looking for us. He's already done the heavy lifting. He's looking now for us just to do the one thing, to humble ourselves and to call on him for help. And that's what welcomes his salvation work in our life. And there are two levels of the purifying work of the Holy Spirit. Number one uh, is salvation. That's getting into the family of God. How many are glad that Jesus would accept people like us? Well, how many are sitting by a really rough person and you're like, I believe Jesus can even help someone that bad off, right? Okay. I see couples raising both of their hands at the same time. All right. So, but I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's true, isn't it? Because we come to church and we, you know, we follow social order. We, you know, put on clothes, we bathe, we, you know, comb our hair, whatever, brush our teeth, hopefully. And we, and, you know, who knows, you might be sitting next to a serial killer. Who knows? You know, I'm just telling you. Because we can clean the outside, but only God knows what's going on inside, right? And so when we express our faith in Christ, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is the one who comes and cleanses us in our inner being. And did you know that from the moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you? Now, we talk about Jesus being in our heart. How many of you have Jesus in your heart? How many have Jesus in your kidneys, your spleen? Your gizzard, other vital organs, all right. So, so there's only one scripture that talks about Jesus being in our heart, and thankfully it's a metaphor because you think about that for heart blockage, right? I mean, that'd be like 100%, right? Um, but um, really, the Bible tells us more than just Jesus being in our heart, and really the heart's a metaphor for our affections and our love and our devotion and our pursuits. But really, the most technical and literal of this is the moment we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of our entire being. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, Romans 8 is the key text on the Holy Spirit's role in our salvation. That the moment we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside, so much so to the point that Paul says in verse 9, if the Holy Spirit is not living in you, you don't belong to Christ. Now, a lot of people think the Holy Spirit's only inside of them when they feel him when they're singing worship songs or eating Chick-fil-A or watching a sunset, you know, or whatever it is. But the Holy Spirit lives inside of you from the moment you're saved all the way through, unless you would turn your back and say, I'm done, Jesus, I'm leaving, and you'd walk away from him. A lot of people think the Holy Spirit leaves when you sin as a Christian, but that's not biblical. He stays inside of you whether you feel him or not. You guys know the Bible. The Bible says he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. You people know the Bible. Pastor, you've done a great job teaching the word here. No, but 
it's important to remember, this is seriously helpful for us because a lot of times we go by our feelings, don't we? And we go, well, I feel the Lord. Oh, I haven't felt the Lord for so long, you know. Well, a lot of times just the natural circumstances of our life can kind of dull our gauges. And, uh, and, and we just have, that's why coming back to church and getting in the house of the Lord and, and, and joining a, a class or a teaching on Wednesday night or those sorts of things helps you to really grow. Can I just tell you the secret of Christian growth? Like a lot of people just kind of punch their card like two Sunday mornings a month or something like that. And I mean, that's like just base level CPR in your Christian life. If you really want to grow, make it a priority, especially you guys that have young families, Bring your kids, let them consistently experience the things of the Lord um, and, and get them, make it a priority. You know, like, unless we have like the bubonic plague or nuclear war, we're going to be in church. And even when you're on vacation, dial it up online and they're in your hotel room, watch it and just make it a priority before your kids and demonstrate that in their lives. And then if you want to grow like an, I don't know about you, if you just don't want to be just like a CPR, I'm, you know, barely making it through and coding a lot, and I really want to, you know, live above and beyond that, then you make an extra thing to say, look, I know it's a time time decision for me, but I'm going to, like, dive in on, like, Wednesday, bring my kids to youth group, bring my kids to, to girls' ministry and royal strangers and all this kind of stuff, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get involved, and I'm going to come to the Bible class. They're teaching how to pray, you know, and if you'll do, make a commitment like that, it's only, like, another hour and a half a week. But it's amazing what a small step can get you out from just barely getting by spiritually as a Christian and lifting you up into a place of strength and stability in your life. I'm just telling you a little secret, and I leave after the service tonight, so take that as it will from an outsider. But the second level of the Holy Spirit's purifying ministry is sanctification. Doesn't that sound like a marketing word? Tied with bleach, with extra sanctification power, or something like that. But this word sanctification, there's seven words for it in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and there's three words for it in the Greek uh, New Testament. And it all has to do with the idea of the process of continuing to become more holy or more righteous. And so from salvation, at the moment we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And the best metaphor for this is the donut. How many appreciate a good donut, right? But the donut, like that would be a filled donut. You and I are like that donut before there's filling inside. And the moment we're saved, God injects the chocolate cream filling of the Holy Spirit inside of our donut. If you've given your life to Jesus, you've put your faith in him as Savior, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you whether you feel him or not. But whenever you typically do things that allow you to become more spiritually aware, going to church, praying, reading your Bible, worshiping, whatever it might be, you will find in those moments you will have a heightened sensitivity to his already present presence. This is another reason why engaging spiritually with the Lord enables you to understand and hear the Spirit's voice greater in your life, you know. But um, sanctification is from the moment you're saved until we either meet the Lord or stop blowing bubbles, whichever comes first, of growing to become less like me and more like Jesus. When you're saved, you're as pure and clean as clean can be, but the problem is we keep on living, and humans can be real crud magnets. Just look at your neighbor, right? <laughs> How many have ever been around a Christian that's got problems? Even when you're by yourself, right? <laughs> and I'm not talking about problems like a flat tire or whatever, but I'm talking about like problems like character issues. And I don't know, but if we can just, you know, lay aside all the baloney for a moment, 
There are Christians that they give their life to Jesus and then they just put it in park spiritually. They punch their card, get their hand stamped, you know, once or twice a month at church, and then they but they're but they're still jerks. And they're like that old mean old man, get off my grass, you know. And, and they, they, the only if if you didn't see them walk into church, you would have no idea that they're a Christian because the chocolate's only inside of their donut. There are some that maybe people don't even know that you serve the Lord because they wonder where you disappear off to every Sunday morning all gussied up. They think you're going to play a round of golf and eat brunch at the country club, you know. And this is the way it is, and they're like, boy, don't, don't talk to that person. Boy, they have a hot fuse, you know. Should it be ever said that someone that served the Lord for any length of time is known for an off-the-charts temper or being a gossip or a negative, terrible person, you know? Or a Dallas Cowboy fan. Should it be known those things? And so, so here's the way sanctification works. In Galatians chapter 5 is one of the greatest texts for the Holy Spirit's role in sanctification. So that's, again, the process after you're saved. And it's designed to be like a constant thing. But most often it happens in spurts. The more you pray about God coming and pur- purging and purifying you, the more you experience. Just to be honest, it's just us here. All the mean, judgmental people stayed home, all right? So how many of you have ever battled something in your own character, in your own, you know, your own nature, and you battled it in prayer, and God really gave you some victory and strength over that thing? You've experienced it, okay? So you experienced in that moment his power, his sanctifying power coming and purging you from that issue. And so while you can go, yeah, it's a slow drip IV, you just come to church, you just read your Bible. Yeah, that does help. But you also have to engage in prayer if you want to be an overcomer in these things. Like, for example, so, um, so I, I clocked 50 on flag day. Yikes, all right? But I will say my wife gets there 20 days before me. So I'm thankful for that. She's clearing the way. All right, so, all right. Um, I'm going to be smacked after service. I can just feel it. Um, but uh, it's interesting because there are things I still pray about nearly on a daily basis, stuff that I dealt with as a teenager that I don't deal with anymore, but I don't want to start dealing with again. So I keep on praying about it, just a little prayer maintenance on these things. It's amazing what that can do. So in Galatians chapter 5, verses 11, or verses 16, rather, through 21, Paul goes, okay, you, wanna, you want your life to stink. You want to be a Christian by label only, and you'll just barely get to heaven by the skin of your teeth, as they say. You want to be that kind of a menial, entry level, never grow, just always be that nasty person. And yeah, you'll get to heaven, but you're going to live in a golden van down by the river rather than a mansion. You want to be that person, right? Then keep on living for your selfish self and don't engage in the Holy Spirit's purifying work after salvation. And he enumerates and lists the nine works of the flesh, which all can be boiled down to selfishness. How many knows? You know, people blame the devil for everything, but how many know he only has as much authority and power as we cooperate with him to have in our life, right? Now, check this out. I'm not a, I'm not a terribly morbid person, um, but I, I read an obituary back in 2018 that it just kind of weird circumstances how it happened, but it happened to be in a strange town and opened it up, and here's the obituary. Doesn't she look like everybody's grandma? I've removed the last name just because I felt it was... Appropriate. I didn't want to get too ad hominem against her. Kathleen was born on March 15, 19. I can't see. 
All right, sorry, it's my 49-year-old eyes. March 19, 1938, to Joseph and Gertrude, last name of Wabasso. She married Dennis at St. Anne's in Wabasso in 1957 and had two children, Gina and Jay. In 1962, she became pregnant by her husband's brother, Lyle, and moved to California. She abandoned her children, Gina and Jay, who were then raised by her parents in Clements, Mr. and Mrs. Joseph, last name. Uh, she passed away on May 31st, 2018 in Springfield and will now face judgment. She will not be missed by Gina and Jay, and they understand that this world is a better place without her. Can you say ouch? I mean, seriously, she looks like everybody's grandma. Don't you think she'd probably make a mean apple pie, right? Knit a, knit a beautiful doily, you know, uh, whatever. But that Kathleen was a wrecking ball. I mean... You, the, the pain in the last three sentences of that five-sentence obituary caused everyone in this room to have a, a natural shock response of either, ooh, ah, or nervous laughter, or like, what in the world? Because you don't expect that grandma is a steamroller. But this is what Paul's saying in Galatians chapter 5. You want to you destroy everybody around you? You want to be that person that no one's there at the funeral? Probably every one of us have been to the funeral where the pastor has to like be really creative to find something positive to say. Well, Joe was a really strong breather until just a few days ago. You know, I mean, man, you know, he was, he was really great at... at at walking, you know, uh, man, he could, his car was clean, you know, and all of that's prevaricating around the wrecking ball. You know, you can, you can be a Christian, make it to heaven and destroy everybody around you, not represent Jesus at all. But then in Galatians 5, that's, that's 16 through 21, but in 22 and 23, Paul says, but you can also live to the Spirit and experience His sanctifying, transforming work. And if you do that, here's what your life will look like. Love, that's that agape, agape, selfless love, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, chocolate, self-control. And... <laughs> He enumerates everything that he says there is all selfless, but gives the most fulfilling life. How many have found the longer you live, like, the less you care about stuff? Like, when you're young, that's what's put at you. You got to have an Escalade with bigger, bigger rims and bigger, better. You got a bigger, bigger house. Bigger, better houses also mean bigger house payments, right? Okay. Um, and, and like a lot of people, they just kind of live for what everyone else in the world system is pushing after without even thinking about it. If I can give some wisdom to young parents, and I, I know you don't know me from Adam, so whatever, take it as you will, but your kids don't want more junk. They just want you as a parent. The way you say love and the way you spell love is T-I-M-E, FaceTime. There's an average parent, I mean, not FaceTime like that, but I mean like, you know, <laughs> words change over the years. But... You know, what your kids are after is they want you, time with you. And the average parent, the only time they spend with their kids nowadays is making breakfast and tucking them in at night. And, and, and it's like, well, you know, I love them. I've got a brand new iPhone 21 or whatever it is. And, 
who cares? I mean, that's going to be obsolete by the time you have to share and invest and spend time with them. That's priceless. And maybe that's like the empty nester going, oh, I missed my kids. But I think the principle's true. The most fulfilling thing in life is not a garage full of junk. It's, it's people that you love. And if you and I push them away because of our unwillingness to be transformed, well, that's on us. There's a choice we can make, and we just have to get honest with it and get over our own egos and humble ourselves before the Lord and go, God, I don't want to be that person anymore, and I'm going to pray until you change me. Just like a little baby, we need changing, you know? The sanctifying work of the Spirit, that happens in the inside, but tonight, we're just going to touch on it now. We're going to talk about the outward ministry of the Spirit. Look at that next one. This is all about power, not like power to lord over people or power to, you know, Sith Lord power, but this is power to do all the things that that unselfish wiring that comes from the Lord calls each one of us to do. Like, here's a great question. If you had limitless time, limitless resources, limitless education and ability, etc., what would you like to do in life? You ask someone a question like that, and especially the young generation, like anybody under 30 or whatever, they go, oh, I want to, you know, I'm going to minister to at-risk kids, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to solve world hunger, or I'm going to, you know, they give some sort of major, this is really who I'd, I'd really like to help the homeless, or I'd like to, because we all have that wiring that's part of the nature of God, the image of God that's in all of us, even people that are lost, but when we become born again, it awakens inside of us, and we go, I'd like to do more, but I can't because of, and then we list all of our algebra. I don't have time. I don't have you know, resources. I don't have training. I, I'm going to make mistakes. I, I got to work on myself for on and on and on and on and on. But this outward power coding of the Holy Spirit on the outside gives us the ability to affect outward. And so like when you're saved, God puts the chocolate of the Holy Spirit inside of your donut. Jesus said to people that had the Holy Spirit inside, John 20, already saved, he said, you put it in park and pray and seek, and I'm going to take your whole donut and dunk it in the chocolate glaze of the Holy Spirit on the outside. Chocolate inside, personal transformation. Chocolate outside, to do the work of God to affect the world around us. Like, have you ever noticed in a box of assorted donuts, the ones with the chocolate on the outside get all over the box and all over the other donuts around them? Jesus said, and we're going to talk about it tonight, you'll receive supernatural power and ability when the Holy Spirit falls outwardly upon you, when you get dunked or baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to take you places you've never been and do things you never thought you could do before. Spirit baptism, our topic tonight, and we're not only going to talk about it, we're going to pray and receive, and some of you are going to have such life changing, life-altering encounters with God tonight, you will never be the same again. Spirit baptism, that's the general anointing of power. But like when you say general, we usually think of like watered-down Kool-Aid and, you know, it's not like that. It's general as in like a wild card in Uno. It becomes whatever it needs to be at any given time. And then what we talked about last night, Holy Spirit gifts, that's like different sprinkles on your donuts, you know, extra specialized gifts on top of that generalized anointing that God has for each one of us. This message brought to you by Duncan. Sorry, it just kind of <laughs> happened that way, all right? But I'm going to wrap things up because it's getting, it's getting late. It's already 2.30. And um, I, 
Before pastor comes, I just, I just want to share a story about how the Holy Spirit's outward power can help us. And by the way, both of these are accessed one way, through you as an individual pursuing the Lord in prayer. None of us think we're very good at prayer, but let me just tell you, here's how prayer looks. Good prayer, praying to Jesus. Bad prayer, not praying at all or praying to Mickey Mouse or somebody else, right? But a lot of people like, well, I'm not a good prayer. Well, good prayer is just talking to the Lord. There's no such thing. He sees your heart. No such thing as a bad prayer addressed to the Lord. Just call him. It's easy. You're going to do fine. People are like, well, what if, like a lot of people think like the four and 20 elders in heaven are lawyers or whatever, and they're waiting to catch you in your words. You hear that, Jesus? She said she wants a bigger house. Let's send her to the big house for a little while and teach her a lesson, you know? It's not like that. It's not like that. You'll do fine. Just talk to the Lord. Be honest with him. Be transparent. God, I'm sick of being like me. I, I, I don't want to be that person. And, you know, help me overcome it. And one of the things I'm going to challenge you to do in a minute as we pray is to actually whisper out loud the label, the name of the thing that you want to be free from and get that sour, nasty taste of speaking that word out in prayer. Whew, talk about punching your own pride in the face. A lot of times it's all, you know, this kind of stuff. And I'm not going to have you come up in the microphone and go, you know, whatever it is. But, uh, but to take a moment and, and whisper that out loud and say, oh, Jesus, feel that sour taste and say, I, I want to get that out of my life and I need your supernatural help. But then empower me so that I can help others around me. So our, my Christianity is not full of power but no character, but pursuing both dimensions of the Spirit's ministry. Um, the second Sunday of this year, we were um, just kind of an interesting story of how the Holy Spirit can gift us way beyond our abilities. Like a lot of people only judge, I will try that because I think I can do it. The Spirit's power removes the necessity of you having the skill or ability to do it. So it's kind of like the sky's the limit. Second Sunday of this year, we were ministering in the, the Cherokee uh, uh, Native American Reservation in Muskogee, Oklahoma. And, um, you know, the Okie from Muskogee thing. And, um, and at the end of the, the, it was a multi-day conference. And at the end of the last session, we did a big healing service. And it was wonderful. God's gracious. He loves to heal people. I've never figured it out. I don't have any healing gift. God does. And I just found the more you pray, the more God works, you know. And so at the end of the service, there was this big line of people giving testimonies of I was healed of this, I was healed of that. I had rabies, I had the mange, on and on, heartworm, on and on and on down the line. I don't remember exactly all the things, but some of them actually rather spectacular. You just sit there going, wow, you know, amazing what God did. And so at the very end, I'm struggling. Sometimes if you're here last night, we talked about the nine manifestation gifts, and one of those gifts is God can just give you a little nugget of data that he wants to, he kind of draws attention to. And sometimes that happens in helping you when God wants to minister to someone, he can reveal just a little secret of their heart, not like to embarrass them or uh, the need that maybe they've not told anyone about, something like that. And it, when that's shared, it just explodes faith in their heart and they receive from God very easily, called a word of knowledge, a nugget of information. And so at the end of the service, I'm battling one of these. And if you've ever had one before, you know God doesn't like send a notarized FedEx going, this is from me, do it. But he gives you this inner sense, and you've got to kind of pray through it and discern through it. And, and have you ever struggled with, hey, God, is that me? Is that you? You know, I mean, those are real, real battles. And actually not battles. You're growing to hear his voice. And so you don't get any more than what God gives you. And often it's so little 
that you really struggle with it. And all I had was just one word, and the service is going on and on, and it's, you know, people are kind of like, you know, wrapping up, the testimonies are wrapping up, and I know that any moment we're going to have to go, see you later, everyone go home, God bless you. Um, but uh, I, I have this ever-closing window of opportunity to share this, but I don't have enough really to share, at least I don't feel but now I'm feeling this urgency from God, like if you don't do it now, you're going to miss it. You know that feeling, like you hit the button on the garage door, and you've got just time to go out, you know? If you miss it, you're going to have a crease in your middle, you know? And, um, and so I'm like, okay, folks. So I start prevaricating. Oh, how many of you would, like, cut me some slack, you know? I'm just a human. I make mistakes. And I feel God prompting on this. I prayed about it to the best of my ability. I feel it's God. But look, I can still make a mistake. It doesn't make any sense to me. I have no context on this. Probably most of you are going to think I'm stupid when I share this with you. But I just feel like God wants me to say this one word. I mean, it was all of that level of, you know, like setting up the safety net. And I go, here it is. <clears throat> Yellow. <laughs> and their response was just that. They're like, ah, you know, laughing like, Okay. And then there was like, no, does that mean anything to anybody? Okay, no, I, I know. Okay, forgive me. All right, I know we had a great meeting. Sorry to, sorry to end with, you know, dropping the tray on the ground, you know, and, and breaking all the dishes. But, okay, that's the way it is. God bless you. And, and pastor comes up, well, that was something. Okay, well, all right, we'll see you next week, whatever. And up to that point, the service had been really great. And then it was like kind of like, uh, you know. And so... After everyone leaves, Pastor and I are out in the foyer talking, and a lady comes up. She was in the sanctuary. I didn't realize there's anyone still in there. And she goes, can I talk to you two guys? And we're like, yeah, sure. And she goes, well, she goes, first of all, I have to ask you um, for forgiveness for my daughter, Micaiah, because she became so unruly. My husband actually had to take her out and take her home. And I'm like, I didn't notice, you know, I just, I didn't notice anything that happens in church, you know. And um, she's like, yeah, well, you know, she's special needs. And then she kind of began to tear up. She goes, well, she's really high on the autism spectrum. She's nonverbal. She has no social cues. In fact, there's only like a couple things in life that she responds to as positive stimulus. And she said, she, I brought her to the healing service because I wanted her to receive. She's normally, their church has a special needs class, which is a cool thing. And she's like, I, I normally have her there. But tonight I brought her into the sanctuary. And she just became unruly. And finally my husband said, I'm just going to take her home. You pray for her, you know, by proxy, whatever, which they did. But she said, after my husband left in the middle of the service, she said, I just kind of began to get more and more grouchy to God. I'm like, seriously, Jesus? I bring my daughter to a healing service? And... You know, we have to take her home because, you know, she's causing such disturbance. And, and uh, which, by the way, don't, how many know this is church? It's family. My pastor always said growing up, I, my pastor was the Bonjourno Conference Center. That Bonjourno guy was my pastor growing up in Harrisburg. He, his line was, I had always rather have a crying baby than a snoring saint in my church any day, you know, because it's real, it's life, you know. And, uh, you know, you got to go to the bathroom 30 times in the service, go, just come back, you know. It's better than wedding here, you know. And, um, and so it's, it's just one of those things. But she, I said, oh, no, no big deal, didn't notice. And she, but she's like, I'm so sorry. And I began to get grouchy to the Lord. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, come on, you know. And she said at the very end of the service, and everyone is given testimonies, and I'm hearing all their great things. I'm thinking of my husband at home trying to calm down Micaiah and about seven, eight years old. And uh, she said, I got really nasty to Jesus. Right at the very end, I said, Jesus, you don't even know Micaiah's name. You don't even care about her. Jesus, you don't even know her favorite color. 
At that moment, an idiot in the front goes yellow. <laughs> and she reached out to me and she I said, open up your hand, open up my hand. And she dropped a little plastic yellow teddy bear, like the size you'd get out of a vending machine, you know, quarter vending machine or whatever. She goes, yellow is one of the few stimulus stimuli that affect Micaiah positively. She said, we always, when we go anywhere, my mom who was here actually gave her that yellow bear tonight. It's one of the things in her purse. She said, we just, because yellow, for whatever reason, makes her happy. Yellow is her favorite color. She starts crying and she goes, I know God has great things for her, but he said he really spoke to me personally tonight that he cares on every level. And just kind of as a side note, how many do you keep Micaiah in prayer? And maybe you have loved ones and friends, special needs kids. Wouldn't that be an awesome anointing for God to send to the church for the healing and restoration of special needs kids? Oh, my goodness, what a testimony. Not only a work in their lives, but to the community around. But I share all that to say, I mean, seriously, frame it in a weird way. But, I mean, if God can use a knucklehead like me, what can he do for somebody like you that has it all together? I mean, this outward ministry of the Holy Spirit is what makes all the difference in the world. I want to ask you, if you would, just to bow your heads with me for a moment. Pastor's going to come in just a moment and, and set the captives free. We're all going to beat the Baptist to the hosses or whatever it is. And, but um, as you're sitting there just for a moment, would, would you just, just be honest with the Lord for a moment? And I want to ask you, if you could make a list of two, three, four, five things about yourself that you would love to have spiritually, surgically removed, what would it be? Would it be your temper? Would it be, you know, your inadequacies? Would it be the um, comparing against other people? Would it be lying? Would it be gossiping? Would it be lust? What, I mean, what would it be? What are the, the cancers in your life? Even though you belong to Jesus, what are the things in your life that you really, I mean, you might have served the Lord for years and decades, but we all still, I still have things that I'm saying, Jesus, I don't want to be like my selfish self. I want to be like you. Think about them for a moment, because those things cannot be cured by mere human willpower alone. Sin issues, which is what they, the root of them are, are sin, selfish nature. Those issues can only be cured by spiritual solutions. And those spiritual solutions get welcomed by saying, Jesus, come by the cleansing power of your Holy Spirit and work these things in my life. And pastor, would you come and strum something on the guitar here for a moment? And, and I want to ask you, would you just stop for a moment? I'm giving you some background noise so you can whisper these words out loud. If you've got a mask on, it's really convenient because no one can see your mouth. But in a moment, I'm going to ask you to whisper the names, the labels of some of those things. And you're going to find, even though you can cover your mouth with your hand if you want to so nobody can read your lips, that's fine. But I'm going to ask you to punch your own pride in your face and whisper those words out loud. You can whisper in low so nobody can hear, but I want you to form the words on your lips. And would you ask Jesus by the power of his spirit to come and purify you of those things? Not just now. I mean, this may be the first prayer or first prayer in a long time. But would you kind of make it like, like a real simple cue? When you bathe every morning, you wash and knock it all the dirt off your body. Knock the dirt out of your selfish nature. And just say, Lord, while I'm here in the shower, I just ask you to cleanse me. All that dirt's going down the drain. I'm asking you, Lord, to take away the, the selfishness and take away those things. I don't want to be 
like Kathleen, who was a wrecking ball and destroyed her family because she couldn't deal with her own junk. I'm asking you, Lord, to come and rescue me and help me from that thing. Come on, even if you need to cover your mouth, would you just pray a prayer and just welcome Jesus by the power of his spirit to come and cleanse you of those things? Oh, Lord, I just welcome you right now. Would you come by the power of your spirit and give me the strength and cleansing, overcoming of these things that I struggle with? I'm not comparing myself against anybody else. It's just you and me, Lord. I don't want to be like that. I draw the lines long and I see at the end of the life, end of my life, if I don't deal with this stuff, where it's going to end me and I don't want to go there. I want to be the person that's selflessly poured into others, that's, that's lived a life of not destroying other people and not being negative and not being destructive, not destroying myself. I don't want to end all alone. I want to end fulfilled and I want to end having poured out goodness in others and having my kids want to be around me. And I just feel the Holy Spirit whispering right now that some might feel like it's too late. If you've got air in your lungs, it's not too late. God is a restoring God and he can restore those relationships. And the greatest relationship to be restored is of you back to our Heavenly Father. And that's done through what we talked about today, salvation. Maybe some of you have never taken that first step of giving your life to Christ, but you want to. It's done through a prayer. And this morning, simply want to ask you this question. If you say, you know what? I don't think I'm living a life that's right before God, but I want to. Would you just real quick, just slip up a hand. We're not going to embarrass you, but it's just an easy way. Yeah, God bless you all over. It's awesome. It's awesome all over five, six, seven. Yeah, eight, nine, that's amazing. Yeah, some of you might be raising your hand because you've given your life to the Lord, but you're living in a time of uncertainty or maybe just kind of a yucky spiritual time. It's the most awesome thing in the world to be open and responsive to God. That's always the right thing. And I'm going to ask you to do something. Would you stand up with me real quick to your feet? And we're going to pray a prayer of salvation. And I'm going to ask Pastor to lead it if that's all right, because he's going to stay here. I leave tonight. But listen, here's the rules, all right? If you go, I want to commit my life to Jesus. There was like eight hands that went up. Maybe some are saying, I want to rededicate myself to the Lord, whatever. That's awesome. But, but if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time or come back, you pray the prayer pastor is praying. But if you already know Jesus, how many already know Jesus, okay? Then you're not allowed to pray his prayer. You've got to come up with your own prayer. A fresh cleansing. You've got seven days before church, right? Next week. Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to come and help you not repeat the mistakes of last week? You know, you know the things that you're vulnerable to and the way the whole the enemy always comes and tempts you in your weakness. Why not ask him right now? Give me strength this week. I don't want to, you know, come on. Let's spend some time being honest with him. Pastor, would you lead us? Church, would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus. Oh, come on, church. Dear Jesus. Wash me clean. I trust in your son. Oh God. Cleanse me. Make me new. In Jesus' precious and holy name, I put my trust in you, my Lord, my God. Amen. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media 
at c3lehigh or email us at info at c3lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you. 